0: Top five at five. What time on the drive? Five o'clock here on Fan Run Radio. Two hours till tip off. Russell Bear and Marcus Young back with you for another sixty minutes of hard hitting action here on Fan Run Radio. We set things back to the White Claw Hard Shelter Studios. Marcus has our top five at five. Marcus, what do you got?
1: Thank you, Russell. At number one. According to Albert Breer, the Titans are hiring Packers personnel and football administration's executive Chad Brinker as their new assistant general manager. Brinker apparently, uh, according to Breer, has an incredible diverse skill set and has been uh, on a future GM list for the last two years.
0: An incredible diverse skill set. Sounds like you're describing Liam Neeson from that movie Taken. I'll take that. Bear, I got to. I,
1: I, but you know what this, this means? This is number
0: one. This is the number one. It's a, An big, assistant it's GM a We're playing Vanderbilt tonight. You, We've got. I always do
2: the. Hold, hold on. Hold on. I always Please, do that. Hey, 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 hey. Quit interrupting Russell. Russell, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Like, uh it, I don't
0: feel like it's a slow news day. I feel like this is. First of all, I don't even know if this is top five worthy to begin with. If it is, it's like number four at
2: best. This, this was your your lead. Can I can I explain now? <laughs> no, I mean you take it personal for us in here. If I ask you anything about the top four and top five to try and head no, off these problems no, for you,
1: no, I don't take it personal. What I do is I take personal that I get told that I have to be quick when we have these situations happen. That's what I take personal. Well, I mean,
2: it's, it's 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 a train wreck, Marcus. Yeah, you let off with a
1: with a dud. Go ahead, number two. No explanation for that one? Okay, that's fine. Fine, we'll go to number two then. Number two, Tennessee men's basketball takes on Vanderbilt tonight at 7 p.m. They play at the SEC Network. Number six six Tennessee men's basketball team is a 10-point favorite in this game. 10-point favorites
0: at Memorial tonight, hoping for – a solid effort from our volunteers i think this is a big one tonight i really do I, th- I think that it's important for tennessee to have some offensive competency tonight show us something basketball balls if you do that against a team that ranks very low in defensive efficiency metrics then i think a lot of us will breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief if they continue to struggle offensively against a really bad defensive vanderbilt team I don't know that I'm pressing the panic button, but I might break the glass around the panic button so that I can be prepared to press it in case we really need to. This is where somebody else says something.
1: I mean, I'm not hitting the panic button with Vanderbilt. I, I, I'm not worried about them at all. Well, we'll see. Uh, Ten
0: point favorites. That that's kind of what I'm looking for. I. I don't want to come on voluntary reaction tonight around nine p m on Twitter spaces talking about oh man we survived that one no man you can go out there and drill vandy tonight let's get this thing going again get this train rolling again engineer Rick Barnes
1: at number three Florida state coach Mike Novell has received a new deal that will last through the two thousand twenty nine season that will pay an average of eight point five $8.05 million per year. Wow. It's very rare
0: that a guy goes from the hot seat is able to cool it off and, and hold on for a while now. I don't know that he's, you know, anybody's crowning Mike Norvell, but he was kind of left for dead. It's yeah. such a, a rough start. They beat LSU to kick off the season. End up having a pretty nice year. Beat Florida, and and now he gets the a little bit of a reprieve. Things seem to be going well for him down there in Tallahassee. I'll pulled give the uh, pull pulled the rear, worked
1: his way off the hot seat. Now I give him credit. At number four, Roger Goodell addresses the NFL officiating, saying, "Quote: I don't think it's ever been better." <laughs> Does he watch the games, Marcus? It's hard to say. Uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell believes that the league's officiating has never been better, despite the recent criticism, most specifically after the conference championship games. His quote was, I don't think it's ever been better th- in the league. Are there mistakes uh, in the context of that? Sure. He also said that uh, this is the reality of our officials are held to an incredibly high standard. So Yeah.
0: I You know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to bash him too much for that because officiating is it's hard in just about every sport and in that sport at that level, it's really hard. Mistakes stand out. The only issue, and I, I, you know, this is not really the official's fault because they have these points of emphasis and everybody talks concussions, concussions, concussions. We've got to protect the players, specifically the quarterbacks who are, you know, the most defenseless players, they're, they're back there with their eyes looking down the field and they don't see these things coming. And so the, the, the problem this year was the, The flags, there were, there were, you know, it was only a handful of plays out of thousands of plays of football this year, but there were three or four of those guys where it was just a sack. It was just a sack. And the quarterback is tackled in the pocket. He wasn't hurt. It wasn't necessarily a dirty hit. And they threw a flag for roughing the passer. And I think that's just a byproduct of these officials being like wanting to err on the side of caution. And they end up making these ridiculous calls a handful of times. They oh, only two really stand out really in, in my mind. I'm sure there were some other ones, but um, for the most part, really hard job. I think uh, those guys are, you know, as commissioner Goodell said, it's, it's not like there's some golden age of officiating that we can point to that was better. Like they're, they're doing okay.
1: And finally, number five. AMC Theaters are planning to change their movie ticket pricing based on their seat locations. Yeah,
0: this is, uh, I mean, is that it, Marcus? That's the gist of it, right? Well, so,
1: yeah, based on what I've seen uh, from the article is that you're going to have three different uh, levels You're going to have the preferred seating, which is the middle row seats, the premium price. You have the value seating of front row and selected uh, side seats. So it it just, it feels very much, I think Elijah Wood tweeted something about it specifically saying it feels like you are trying to give people who have more money and are able to buy those premium tickets like, hey, you deserve this more than the average moviegoer so something
0: and i this is weird man because i love movies i watch a lot of movies used to not as many as i used to but um i haven't been to a movie theater since before COVID.
1: i haven't either see that's the thing that frustrates me about this and kind of why i wanted to use this as my five because it is a big deal that a theater is doing this we just spent not that long ago at 2020 fighting like i say we the people who care about theaters fighting to keep them because of what was happening with COVID. i think either amc or regal actually received like we're potentially going bankrupt because of 2020 and now they're just saying hey i know we're all back we're all good to go but hey we're gonna make it harder for you guys to come out here again yeah
0: and you know i i love the theater experience and i, I can't believe that it's been like whatever two or over two years since i've i've been to one but First of all, like they've just about priced me out, man. Because I don't go to movies by myself. I'm I'm always taking at least one person, if not more, and and you got to get the popcorn, man, because it tastes so good, smells so good. I'm not gonna sit there and smell that delicious, salty, buttery popcorn and not have some of my own. So if I'm going to the movies, I'm spending a hundred dollars, and th- there just aren't a lot of movie events that I'm willing to invest that kind of money i i'm just a baller on a budget like that so this is probably not helping any in that regard and i'll tell you another thing that was bugging me even before and, and i guess this's been going on a long time since before uh before covid but this business of like you choose your seat i i really don't like that man because it takes away from the what was wrong with the old system first come first serve and there was a, a couple of t- it seemed like the, the last couple movies I went to, there was always some incident, man, where you, you choose your seats, you get there, somebody's in it, you have to have that awkward exchange, and people move around, or, you know, it's just, they made it so much more difficult than it needs to be.
2: Yeah, it's it wasn't pleasant. I wasn't big on the theater. I mean, i got gotten away from that I mean, as soon as I got that, you know, the 55, 60 sixty-inch, four K TV. And it's just it, it's an, it's just breaks down to basic economics.
0: Well, what what is your what's the go-to spot if you're going to a, a theater and there's a decent crowd, but you can have any seat
2: you want? Where do you want to sit in the movie theater? If if it's a like if it's a decent crowd. I, my preferred seat is last row center.
0: Last row center? Yeah. Right there with all the teenagers making out, huh? Uh,
2: Yeah, <laughs> but I like – it's because of whatever – you know, I wear glasses or I wear contacts, but, like, I've always found that that's the best spot for me to, to see everything. Like, I won't sit – I I can't sit in those that down on the floor in the front.
0: No, I, I can't do that. I I can't be looking up either. And I'm a I'm, big
2: aisle seat guy. I, I like the aisle. Seat. I don't like having to walk over people. Yeah. So like usually if I'm sitting like back row center, that means that nobody else is in the in the aisle. But I mean that's why I kind of asked you if 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 it's fairly crowded, uh, I'm getting an aisle seat where I can walk in I, and out.
0: I, I'm a huge aisle seat guy. Give me aisle seats for everything restaurants movie theaters especially above all airplanes i i can't fly if it's i I know this sounds bougie but uh like i cannot do the window seats and i certainly can't do a middle seat have to be on the aisle man i just have to got to be able to stretch my legs out man got to have an escape plan got to be able to i get claustrophobic i can't be boxed in
2: escape plan yeah i always end up on the exit row next to the door or i did back last time i flew I don't know if they put me there anymore. Yeah, you know, they always ask me, you mind sitting here? So you're I mean, the guy. If something does happen, you've you've gotta like I guess help open the exit door. Yeah.
0: If if we crash and by some miracle we all survive, can you help us all get out to safety? Yeah. Okay, lady. Whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll I'll be your knight in shining armor in case this big ball of metal goes down at 500 miles per hour from 30,000 feet out of the sky i'll save the day sure thank you marcus stellar work on the top five at five this afternoon even if i think your number one selection was a little bit uh misplaced but we'll let that slide
1: airplanes by the last three minutes of it (laughs)
0: You brought up the the movie theaters. I thought it was. I'm paying you a compliment. Learn to take yes for an answer, Marcus. You had a strong finish. You stuck yeah. the
1: landing. Yes, sir, Russell. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I don't. I don't like the sarcasm.
0: <laughs> Turn down the bass. 865-546-8200. Your number to get on the big orange Phillies phone lines. Josh Pate, 247 Sports, the late kick coming up momentarily. Let's work in a call from Rusty. Good afternoon, Rusty. You're on the drive.
3: What's up, guys? How's it going? Uh, well, United just dropped points, so that's, you know, always a positive thing that we can all uh, unite in. Um, I'm assuming everybody, you know, despises United like, like I do. You
0: Don't just roll the ball out there against mighty leads and stroll away with three points.
3: Hey, you know, if Tyler Adams is in a lineup, you know, you might want to watch out. That's all I'm saying.
0: Pour one out for Jesse Marsh.
3: That's right, but hey, we might get him as our as our savior for America's team. Um, but we'll see
0: what happens. Fingers crossed. I, uh,
3: I saw like a I saw like a week ago. You guys were talking about what 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 Payt State was talking about, which is the what play not having happened might have changed. The
0: course of college
3: football wasn't it? Was that basically what it was?
0: Yeah. What what play? Yeah. Exactly.
3: How about this? Does everybody remember the two thousand? Remember the two thousand six Alabama game in Knoxville? They kind of we were much better, but they led most of the day. anged through what would have been a pick six, but he makes a heck of a play down the sideline and saves it, and we ended up winning the ball game. Which Grant, I mean we ended up losing to Notre Dame later that year. We ended up losing to. Uh, Penn State in the ballgame so would it really killed us if they would have won and retained Mike Shula and the Nick Saban Alabama never happens because they beat us that year and Shula doesn't get fired
0: whoa you just blew my mind Rusty Rusty's out here playing uh, 3D underwater chess maybe I don't know it, it felt like they were pretty out on Shula by that point
3: they were they were I mean they were dumb but if he beats Tennessee that year I don't think they I don't think they're able to fire him.
0: How about how yeah. about this? And I'm not picking on uh Eric Ainge who who I like, but uh you know throw that pick six in the two thousand seven championship. If Fulmer wins the O oh, uh the O seven SEC title, is he granted a stay of execution in two thousand eight? How does that change things? Well, we I'm assuming
3: the work the that would have been okay, I guess. But the worst part is Ohio State probably wins the national championship that year because they play somebody less than LSU in the championship in the, in the national title. game. So I'm kind of, you know, it's a, it's again that us losing that game really mattered that much other than we'd have an SEC championship. But I don't want Ohio State, you know, I don't want Ohio State whoever that team was. I can't even remember who was on that version of Ohio State. I didn't want them having another ring.
0: I don't, that don't matter to me, so man. I, I want to win championships, man. Another SEC title. It's been, what, 25 years now? I mean, good grief quarter of a century that that can't happen at a place like Tennessee I feel you
3: all I've been thinking about is changing the course of college football is how could we have made it to where Saban didn't end up at Bama in 07 that's the and I don't know that that's the play but that's the play I can think of that might have kept Shula and might have kept Saban Mm. at the Dolphins and taken a different job you know a year later I don't know anyway
0: no that's that maybe he he would have been at Texas all these years once once Mac left yeah, we might have to bring that up with Pate State coming up here in just a minute. All right, man. I'll let
3: y'all run. Y'all be good. Hey, you-, you checked out Harry Styles though, right? You-, you uh, you you looked at that stuff.
0: Yeah, I like. I-, I watched the uh, Sledgehammer cover you sent me. That was that was spot on, man. It it sounded just like the real thing. I give him credit for a good cover. Yeah. Uh. All right. I'll let you go. Y'all be good. Cool. Thank you, Rusty. Appreciate it. We got to run here. When we continue, Josh Pate, two four seven Sports host of the late kick coming up next on many of these fan run affiliates. Stay with us. The drive continues after this. radio. The drive continues. Russell bear Marcus cruising with you on a Wednesday afternoon, edition of the show. And, Time to head back now to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines where Josh Pate is standing by, host of The Late Kick, YouTube channel and podcast, 247 Sports. Good afternoon, Josh. How are you, sir?
4: I'm good. Let me me tell you where I'm situated. So, you know, our CBS 24-7 office downtown in Nashville is in the CMT building. And since they're not here right now, I'm just kind of hanging out in their studios. I slept in
0: here a little while ago.
4: It's really cozy.
0: What, what are you, one of these uh, workaholic college football coaches? You're sleeping in the office now, Pate?
4: Hey, I talked to one the other day that had just taken a job, and and I asked, hey, where'd you move? Where are you living? He said, on an inflatable, on the ground. I haven't moved my family here yet, so I'm just living in my office. So, yeah, that's a real thing.
0: It's a key part of any savvy coach whenever he's taking on a new job, especially a younger assistant coach, you know, trying to claw his way up the ladder. You've got to drop that out plant that story somewhere in the media. Oh, the guy, he he doesn't even have a place yet. He's sleeping in the office. That always goes over well with the fans.
4: Oh, yeah. it's well, it comes, I mean, what more could you ask for? That's what he owes us, after all. How dare he have a life outside of that office?
0: <laughs> exactly. Josh Pate with us, a man who recognizes no college football offseason. Josh, I saw you had a great show topic earlier this week. am I'm, I'm curious what some of the results were you if you could change one play in college football the last 20 years or so that would change the landscape of the sport Um, I'm sure you had a plethora of great suggestions and write-ins what were some of your favorites
4: oh it's unbelievable you could go through just the replies to that tweet and probably be stocked up until 2030 in terms of topics I think one of the most popular ones was that 2012 SEC championship game where Georgia came so close under Mark Rick to beating Saban in Alabama. Because That's the kind of chain reaction event that we're looking for. We're not just looking for a close loss. We're looking for, you know, if Georgia gets one more play and they win that game, chances are Mark Rick wins the national title. They would have gone on to play Notre Dame, and I think we understand what would have happened there. So is Rick really getting fired? No matter what happens after that, is he getting fired two years after that? Is Kirby smart? Therefore the head coach at Georgia, or does he go take the South Carolina job, which was absolutely in the cards. That's why Georgia moved on Mark Rigg. That's why they ended up firing him as soon as they did. So that's one of them. And the other one, as you could imagine, USC is involved in like all of them in the early 2000s. Bama's involved in pretty much all of them in the mid-2000s on that 2011 Friday night game where Iowa State upset Oklahoma State and derailed their trip to the national championship game. I don't know what would have happened there because the way LSU played Alabama in that 2011 title game, they were a ghost team. They just no show. They barely crossed the 50 yard line. And I don't know if they would have beaten Oklahoma state or not, but at the very least that changes a ton that I don't know what it does to Bama Bama's probably right back there the next year, but I mean, what would that have meant to Les miles potentially? What would it have meant to Mike Gundy and Oklahoma state? So yeah, I mean, obviously, the pass interference in the national championship game, Ohio State Miami, in the early 2000s—that's right there at the end of the game that decides a championship. And for the I mean, for that matter, you could also go very recently. What if Ohio State hits their field goal, knocks Georgia out in the semifinals? Ohio State certainly, I think, goes on to beat TCU in the national title game, and all of a sudden. Who knows how we'll be talking about Ryan Day. Like, that game for Ryan Day, for all we know, is Mark Richt's 2012 SEC Championship
0: game. Oh, man, a game of inches. How did the Kirby Smart era go at South Carolina in this alternate timeline, parallel universe? Oh, my goodness. Well,
4: so <laughs> I think eventually what
0: happens, it, I mean,
4: certainly I think he would have ended up winning there. Uh, I think that he would have, he would have grabbed them by the shirt collar the same way he did georgia really and he would have told him in no uncertain terms here's what i need to compete uh, he wouldn't have quite gotten at south carolina what he's gotten at georgia but certainly he would have put forth a winning formula um i think in time south carolina would have ended up playing above their skis a little bit i don't know what would have happened to georgia i don't know how much longer rick would have been there but also you got to ask yourself what would have happened in recruiting because remember when mark rick was there and still to a certain degree, but especially when Rick was there, one of the things that aggravated those people to no end was all the talent that left the state. I mean, his the latter portion of his tenure there, you saw Justin Field. Well, that was a different story, but you saw Trevor Lawrence get out of there. Uh, you saw a bunch of high-profile talent get out of there. So Kirby's done a better job of locking that state down. You never fully locked Georgia down. But I don't know also how, how would that have had a ripple effect on – the Tennessee situation on the Florida situation, it's unknowable. And therefore it's a a ton of fun to talk about.
0: We had a caller on right before you jumped on with us. And and we were talking about this in preparation for having you on. And uh, this uh, this guy, it's um, Rusty in in California. He blew our minds, Josh. He, he went back and uh, I doubt you even remember this, but 2006 uh, Tennessee beats Alabama in Mike Shula's last year. It's a close game up here in Neyland Stadium as the last time they'd beaten them until this past season. And there was an interception where uh, the quarterback, Eric Ainge, was able to run back and hustle play, you know, push the the uh, returning DB out oh, at like yeah. the three-yard yeah, line. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so uh, his, his theory was, does does that buy Mike Shula another year, thus keeping Saban away? And Anybody who's followed... You, We've all read the stories, right? All the things that had to go right for Saban to end up at Alabama, Malmore's perseverance and all that stuff. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Is, could, could there have been a play in the Shula era that changed things there? Or do you think that Saban was always destined to get to Alabama, whether it was in 2007 or a couple of years later?
4: No, I think Nick Saban was always destined to get back to college. I don't think it had to do with Alabama at all. I think it was right place, right time for him. But I'll do you one better. I intentionally asked the question, which moment would you change instead of just which play would you change? Because I know there are some things that happen off the field. For example, remember in 2005, one of the, I think the first time that I ever saw recruiting truly go national was the Tim Tebow recruitment. And that was when people who otherwise had never followed recruiting noticed that recruitment. And he's at Nice High School and it's down to, Urban in Florida or Shula in Alabama, and it came down to the morning of. What if he chooses Alabama? Certainly he buys Mike Shula several more years. So not only do you have the Saban not coming to Alabama factor, you also have Tim Tebow having never played for the Florida Gators. What do wow. they become under Urban Meyer? So, yeah, that, one, that moment, if you change that recruitment in that moment, that is as big a domino effect, I
0: think, as we have seen this millennium in college football. Talking with Josh Pate, host of the late kick this afternoon on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Josh, speaking of Alabama, uh, new faces in Tuscaloosa. The internet not exactly enamored with the hires, finding them a little bit uninspired for the two new coordinators down there. What's your take on Nick Saban with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele joining him in Tuscaloosa?
4: It puzzled me. It still does. That doesn't mean anything because I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to making hires, at least at least to the degree that the man running the program does. Let me put it that way. So I, since I was puzzled by it, what I made an effort to do is reach around the industry. So I talked to as many head coaches as I could to, number one, get their opinion, and number two, especially people who have worked with Nick Saban, and I talked to several of them, ask them what they thought may be the motivation there. And one of the one of the common traits in every one of their answers was, You've got to hire in a complimentary fashion. And that's something that always gets overlooked, whether you're in media or you're a fan or whatnot, because you're just judging a resume, basically. Is this resume good enough? But over and over again, what people who have worked for Nick Saban said he's the best in the business at doing is looking at his organization from 50,000 feet, knowing the personalities and characteristics and critical factors he already has, and then making a hire that complements those instead of just hiring a bunch of the same guy and I think that 2018 season when they got blown out by Clemson in the title game but they had all kind of internal issues I think according to a lot of people that that sort of changed the way he went about things instead of just loading up a staff with the best of the best no matter what Mm. he tries to hire a little bit more complimentary so basically if the Kevin Steele hire doesn't make sense from just purely a resume standpoint over and over again as it was explained to me that probably a big factor and also he knows the system and let's be real Pete Golding was very young when he came there and there was just an understanding from Saban I've got an NFL offensive coordinator that I don't have to teach anything to because I'm gonna have to dedicate a lot of time to walking my new defensive coordinator through things from an organizational and and procedural standpoint well now it's inverted now he goes and gets a very young offensive coordinator who he may have to do that with and therefore I think he saw it as a necessity to get a defensive coordinator that was going to be very much a hands-off situation, plug-and-play, Kevin Steele knows that place inside and out. I don't think there's anyone that thinks Kevin Steele is going to be the defensive coordinator there in 2027. No one thinks that. I think, uh, But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily have to be a stopgap, and it doesn't have to necessarily be laid out as, hey, I'm giving you this job for 24 months. Do what you can with it. I just, I think it's what he thought he needed
0: at the time. Josh, Florida State extends Mike Norvell today. It's uh, pretty interesting. A guy who was very much so on the hot seat a couple of years ago. You don't often, once you get on that hot seat, it is hard to get off. And I don't know if he's completely off, but uh, he's mostly off for sure. That's why he gets the extension today. Josh, be curious uh, your thoughts. Who has the brightest future in the Sunshine State? Norvell at Florida State, Cristobal down at Miami, or Billy Napier who's not exactly setting the world on fire in his first 12 months in Gainesville.
4: I think you just heated up. The guy you first mentioned, Mike Norvell, was the answer to this, and I don't know anyone that I would respect the opinion of that puts that guy on the hot seat right now. Now, I know that conversation was happening going into this past year, which I still thought was a little bit ahead of pace if you if you will, uh, but I think what was always important, anytime I asked people around Florida State about the whole hot seat thing, they always laughed at it, and they shrugged it off, and they made it abundantly clear, the decision-makers here don't feel that way. The decision-makers here know what he inherited. He was promised three years minimum before we even really start grading him on any kind of harsh curve. And lo and behold, that third year, it all of a sudden pops. Now, that's happening somewhere else, too. So don't let me get off track. My answer is Mike Norvell. But if you look out at Texas, same thing with Sark. First two years, uh, they missed a bowl game. And then this past year, I think they had seven wins or eight wins. I think it was seven. So it was a little bit of improvement. It's still not nearly where the natives want it to be. But let's see what year three holds. Because they have recruited well on the line of scrimmage, just like at Norvell's stop over there in Florida State. They've leveraged the portal really well. They're developing well. I think it also signifies something when big-time potential NFL guys are sticking around for one more year, Jared Verse stay in there, Jordan Travis stay in there. So the ACC is wide open. Like, it has been maddening for just agnostic fans who aren't a fan of any team in the ACC to watch how unscathed Clemson has been going through that conference in most years. It's not even good for Clemson, by the way. Yeah, you could argue it keeps them healthier, but you need challenges. You need to be battle tested. It puts you in a better position to compete in the playoffs when you go through that. And certainly for your conference, it's inexcusable that the state of Virginia and the state of Florida is not producing better for that conference right now.
0: Josh, you mentioned Sark down there at Texas. Does does he benefit from a similar thing that you were talking about with Shula? If he had signed, Uh, Tim Tebow like you got Arch Manning there I know it's it's Texas and the pressure's always on but is there a little bit of feeling of okay first two years might not have been that great and maybe year three like we we don't know Arch Manning's going to be a freshman we don't even know if he's going to be the guy but he's eventually going to be the guy and we've got to let Sark see that through a little bit more
4: yeah I think that's fair too even if it's just that I think that's fair and I also think that People get so caught up. I will guarantee you someone's driving around right now listening to us and saying this is apples to oranges because Texas is always recruited well. So Sark inherited a pretty loaded roster. Well, he didn't. It's just a, it's a fallacy. And I work at 24-7 Sports. I am telling you point blank. When I talk to our guys, what they say is you've got to dive into those classes. Like, yeah, they recruited what I call a lot of cotton candy. They recruited a ton of perimeter skill, and and they had running backs, and they'd get corners every now and then. But they didn't have line of scrimmage talent. So if I go sign 25 four- and five-star receivers, I'd have the number one class in the country. I'd also be terrible. And that's what Texas had done. They had gone and recruited a ton of ornaments, and they didn't bother to recruit the tree. So when Sartre got there, I talked to one of the guys on his staff at the time. That's one of the first things they said is, we got a two-year rebuild minimum on the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what they got to work doing. This class they signed the, the last cycle, the cycle before this one, loaded up on offensive line and defensive line players. And I think that they just did another version of that this last cycle. So, And and quarterback, the position that you mentioned, is being taken care of. So this year and moving forward, that's when I'll feel comfortable that I'm watching a true Steve Sarkeesian Texas. Now, whatever that is, is whatever that is. I'm not guaranteeing you they're going to do anything, but I will guarantee you they're in a lot better position to try because they're a lot better where it counts now.
0: Josh Pate with us, the late kick. Josh, last thing, we'll let you run here. Speaking of Texas, the Longhorns in Oklahoma having trouble extricating themselves from the Big 12, what do you think the end game here is? Do you think they'll ultimately be able to get out in time for that 2024 season, or do you think that they are just stuck for another two years of this awkward breakup with the Big 12?
4: Yeah, they're not going anywhere. I think the, the final nail in that coffin of hope was sealed last week at the conference meetings, and I'm one who was surprised. I thought they'd figure out a way to get it done, but be that as it may, they didn't, and it's going to be really weird. I saw someone put out a tweet that I thought perfectly summed up the situation. It's like you just broke up with somebody. Neither of you is going to move out, and you've also mandated that neither of you can see new people. So you're not together, but you're gonna be together and you can't be together with anyone else and that's kind of life in the Big Twelve for the next twenty four months. And think about them going on the road. They're already universally hated out there. But think about what it's like when Texas comes into your building and you know, hey, they're not coming back here ever again. We don't even have to act responsible. We can just act a fool, we can do whatever we want to. That's that's gonna be the reality out there for the next two years. I don't think there's unless there's something going on that I have no clue about, I don't think there's any chance. I think we are seeing them in the SEC in 2025 and not a day before then.
0: All right, very good. Well, Josh, if you're wondering, I didn't ask you any Tennessee stuff. I, I don't have anything, man. I mean, there's nothing going on. It's Josh Heupel It's the weirdest thing. The game's full of drama, great action on the field, off the field, no drama, Josh Heupel. like the, yeah, the, it's the, a good
4: thing. It's a, very it's a great thing that we're not talking Tennessee right now.
0: Yeah, for, for a program that has been characterized by off-the-field drama for almost 15 years now. It's it's a little bit refreshing, even if it doesn't make for great talk radio.
4: Yeah, I, I endorse that wholeheartedly. I, I was asking myself coming on today, I wonder what he's going to ask me about
0: Tennessee. It's going to be a challenge. <laughs> nothing, man. Alec Ablin, new Tennessee tight ends coach, your thoughts?
4: Love it. I think one of the 50 <laughs> best position hires I've seen this cycle.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a minor blip on the radar here locally. All right, Josh, appreciate you. Go check him out at Late Kick Josh on Twitter, the great podcast, Late Kick, great YouTube channel as well. Josh, we'll do it again soon, man. Thanks.
4: I appreciate it, guys.
0: Josh Pate making his presence felt on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. They've got basketball on tonight. Valls Commodores tipping off here in about an hour and twenty minutes. You can watch it with a big old basket of wings, a couple of cold beverages at Big Orange Phillies, 6625 Maynardville Pike in Halls. Tell them the drive sent you. Check out their full menu. You can get it delivered via Grubhub online. BigOrangePhillies.com. Quick timeout. Back to wrap things up. Coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. The Docket brought to you by Fox & Farmer, the Car Wreck Pro Attorneys. And this one's a couple days old, but we we didn't get to it. We need to because it's it's us taking joy in the off the field problems of our conference rivals. South Carolina freshman football player Montez Rames the second. I wonder if he's related to Ving.
2: Is it spelled the same way? Yeah, uh, can't.
0: Not too many Rameses out there, are there?
2: No. He's held at the
0: Alvin Glenn Detention Center on charges of carrying weapons on school property and obstructing justice.
2: That's never good. Rames has
0: been suspended by Coach Shane Beamer along with fellow freshmen Anthony Rose and Cameron Upshaw. No reasons were given for the suspensions by the university, but online records show Rames, An 18-year-old defensive end from Sumter, South Carolina, was booked Thursday night in Columbia on two charges. So off-the-field gun issues for Shane Beamer.
2: I still stand by my uh, previous statements. I, I don't feel like uh, college kids really need guns. I think if you are you need to carry a gun, you're in college, something's going on. Well, I, I don't want to judge, but I'm going to
0: assume he was not headed out on a hunting trip. Well, no. <laughs> I would imagine it was a handgun. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm with you there. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Ugly situation for Beamer having to to have to deal with. Meanwhile, in New Zealand, police said today they found more than three tons of blank floating in a remote part of the Pacific Ocean. Three tons Tons of of blank floating in a remote part of the Pacific Ocean.
2: Talking like deep South Pacific, huh? three tons bananas
0: not bananas pineapples no it is not fruit is it a food that would be uh well could be that'd be a lot of bananas three tons i mean like can you even picture in your mind what three tons of bananas would look like
2: yeah it'd be a lot but yeah i can picture it since like how, how many truck beds
0: of bananas would be three tons? Like 100 trucks?
2: Oh, God, At no. At
0: least. It'd have to be... Three
2: tons of bananas? Yeah. You get that one tractor trailer easy. I'm talking about, like, uh, pickup trucks. Oh, no. I Maybe...
0: You think you can get three tons of bananas in one standard 18-wheeler trailer?
2: In a 45-foot trailer? trailer? Absolutely. It's just 6,000 pounds. Figure it out. Man. I mean, those, those cases run about fifty. I think they're they come in like fifty-pound boxes. So then you're looking at what uh, two of those to make a hundred. And then I want to like, see you how you map this out. Twenty of those. Yeah. So you would need forty to make a thousand pounds. Eighty to make one ton. How many tons? Three. Yeah, I think you could. And a forty-five footer, sure. Yeah, I want
0: because... 6,000 6, pounds of bananas. Yeah, you you just put them out back. Bring, it, bring them down here to the shop. Yeah, 6,000 pounds of bananas. That's what I need. Yeah, three tons. Come on down. Uh, no, they found three tons of cocaine. Whoa. Floating in the South Pacific. The old Charlie Sheen party, special.
1: Party, party.
0: Yeah, it was apparently dropped off there by an international drug smuggling syndicate. No arrests made yet, according to police, but uh, they have evidently dealt what they term a significant financial blow to everyone from the South American producers of the drugs through to the distributors in what was the nation's largest ever drug seizure.
2: Well, there's going to be some people hurting down there in Australia for their nose T- beers. Tough it sounds times like. for New Zealand drug dealers.
1: Yeah. There wasn't a bear floating on top of it, was there, Russell? Well, that's why I said it could be con-
2: considered a food, right? Not a good how food, scary not a would food? that be? Like a thirty, because that's where all the big—that's where the biggest great whites are in that area. That oh, along wow. the Cape of Good Hope down. In, Can you imagine a coked out shark, thirty foot great white man eater, and then the sharks came a cruising. Russell, police said the cocaine had been
0: dropped at a floating transit point in eighty-one bales before it was intercepted by a navy ship which was deployed to the area last week. The ship then made the six day trip back to New Zealand where the drugs were being documented and destroyed. I think they burn them, incinerate them. Said the wholesale value of the three and a half tons of cocaine was about 500 million New Zealand dollars or 316 American dollars.
2: It's a lot of yayo. 316
0: million dollars worth of coke. And they don't even know, like, who's – I mean, that's incredible to me that – You want to know the like, wild what... part? Uh, they... I mean, obviously, they're putting it in some sort of saltwater, yeah, In the middle of the sea, all the waves and everything, like, what – do they have some just huge platform or a barge or something that they put it on?
2: I'm not – I'm not certain. I'd have to research it. I mean, they just put it – probably make sure it's going to float and have a GPS transponder on it. What's wild to me is, I mean, other than logistics, like, they can make three more tons of that stuff in no time flat. It's just going to be the, the trouble of setting up the new place and, and dropping it out there again. But, I mean, it's just the, uh, it's, it was a major cartel. I don't know who's running Columbia nowadays
0: uh yeah uh, (laughs) i don't know man but that is that that's crazy and i mean talk about a dangerous job like so somebody's got to go and get that right i mean you you got to go and you're gonna need a significant watercraft to put that on and then you've got to go take it to a port and avoid the authorities and everything like wow that's
2: that's yeah i'm surprised they didn't stand off and put those high altitude drones in the air and wait for Somebody to come yeah. pick it up. That's yeah. usually what their mo is.
0: Yeah, or just like s- s- stand back at a distance and you know keep an eye on it with.
2: Yeah, unless it, somebody got spooked and on somebody, they were just going to leave it. and They couldn't leave it floating out there forever. So
0: that is the docket brought to you by Fox and Farmer, the car wreck pro attorneys. Check them out online foxandfarmer.com. Set up a free, no obligation consultation. You can call them at 865-531-9400. Tell them Fan Run Radio sent you. Fox and Farmer, the Car wreck Pro Attorneys. All right, uh, we have a phone call. Brian Hudsucker, the drive's resident fact checker, has called in. I can only imagine what kind of mistake has been made on the airwaves today. Brian, what do you got?
5: No, flawless show, guys. Flawless show. Wow. Well, thank you. First uh, time
0: for everything. For the top
5: five. I? I have a what if for Tennessee football. Okay. All right. What if Casey Clawson doesn't get sacked and fracture his collarbone against Arkansas? Ooh. So the next week against Georgia, they have to start CJ Leak. CJ Leak craps the bed. James Banks replaces him. The Leak family gets mad, and Chris Leak doesn't come to Tennessee. He goes to Florida.
2: That's a butterfly effect scenario, Russ.
5: If Chris Leak is the Quarterback at Tennessee, he's a starter in O four. You don't have Ainge or Schaefer as freshmen starting. That team can win the SEC championship with Chris Leak. Uh he's so starting in right, O five.
0: Would Lee would Chris Leak have been a true freshman in O four or O three? 3 So he would have been like a sophomore kind of commanded the system. Yeah, he probably would have been better as a sophomore than Schaefer and Ainge in O four. As freshmen, and
5: then I think that that's probably a safe assumption. Yeah,
0: I mean that would have changed things for sure.
5: And then he's the starter in 05, and you don't have that debacle. He's the starter in 06, and he led Florida to a national championship in 06. Yeah, he also doesn't I, go to he also he also doesn't go to Florida, and is that job as attractive to Urban Meyer without Chris Leak? Does he go to Notre Dame? And like Josh Pate says, if Urban Meyer is at Notre Dame, does Tebow go to Alabama and Shula given more time?
0: We're, we're, we're way down the rabbit hole at this point. I, the only thing I I would say is I don't know that Chris uh, Leak being at Tennessee in 05 assures us we don't have that disaster because, like, Clawson and Ainge, Rick Clawson and, and Ainge should have been so much better than they were, and I think that they're – you know, I know there were things going on behind the scenes and they didn't handle the quarterback competition as appropriately as they probably should have. But I, I just think that Randy Sanders was probably destined to, like, that wasn't going well. So, I I don't know. And I also think that Urban Meyer would have taken that Florida job no matter what and probably would have been pretty good no matter what. Probably. But it's interesting to think about.
5: Yep. All right, guys, I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you, my friend. The what ifs. Hmm. Learn anything interesting? I thought Josh Pate was fantastic today.
2: Oh, yeah. That was one of his. I mean, he's always great, but that was one of his more interesting ones. So that guy he, eats, sleeps, lives, breathes college football.
0: Do you agree that Norvell has a brighter future than Crystal Ball and Sunbelt Billy?
2: Ye- Yes. I'll tell you, the thing that blew me away is I didn't realize Jared Verse has decided to stay for another year.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow. God, if we could have gotten that guy.
0: Ah, man, it would have been awesome. Um, I, I think it's – I'd be careful to close the book on Napier and Cristobal after one year. Granted, it, it doesn't look great for either one. But it looked, I would say, just as bad, if not worse, for Norvell after his first year in Tallahassee.
2: Yeah, I think – I like Napier's chances better than – the only problem with Napier, man, is it, it sounds like that in that whole deal with uh, Jaden Rashada. Or I would give Napier a, a pretty good puncher's chance. You were going to say
0: a... he, you like him better than Cristobal?
2: Yeah, Cristobal kind of is starting to – like he's a hell of a recruiter – um, got to get his staff right. He's got to get his staff right, but he he, he doesn't – the results on the field weren't there. They weren't at, at Oregon. I mean, he won some big games, but he lost some head scratchers as well. Well, he did um, – did they win the Pac-12 last year, or did Utah,
0: Utah beat them, right?
2: I think Utah beat them. Yeah, because Utah was in the the uh, championship game for the second year in a row, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, yeah, but uh, that Oregon was in it the year in 2021 under Cristobal. I didn't I think he's got to get his staff right. If he doesn't get them turned around, if crystal ball doesn't work out at the U it's over. They need to just shutter their program. Guys appreciate you all. Thank you so much. No overtime coming up next. They're lazy, 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 unacceptable. Not a fan run work ethic. In my humble opinion, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget voluntary reaction as soon as the game's over on twitter spaces we'll do it again tomorrow the cgp is on this show fan run radio three to six on the drive